SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network as well. That includes sportsgrid.com slash watch. Find your favorite destination to consume everything all across the grid. I am Ben Stevens. A Wednesday here on TMA, but a significant Tuesday around the National Football League. The NFL preseason in the books. It's ancient history at this point. Training camp virtually coming to a close yesterday as well as it was cut day around the NFL. You need to trim your roster down to just 53 guys to move forward to get prepared for the regular season in 2023. We'll react to all that we saw yesterday around the National Football League, the biggest storylines to know, entering the regular season now just eight days away next Thursday night in Kansas City inside Arrowhead for the Chiefs and the Lions to kick off 2023 college football's week number one just one day away a full slate on Thursday a reaction to week zero and of course in the stretch run of this major league baseball season everybody in action around the diamond yesterday all 30 MLB clubs 15 games everyone significant for that postseason positioning and a team in MLB with a disaster of a season making a peculiar move yesterday no move though for Jonathan Taylor. The Indianapolis Colts are keeping Jonathan Taylor on the roster. Yesterday, a self-imposed deadline to trade JT, if at all possible. But the Colts are not shipping him anywhere, saying they did not receive what they felt was a fair value offer for the 2021 NFL leading rusher. In that year, his second in the league, JT ran for just over 1,800 yards in 18 rushing scores. He has been on the pup list And we'll go back to that in just a second for all of camp here in 2023. It's why you don't see him in a jersey or with no helmet on his head in these photos on your screen. And that's an important distinction. So Indy does not trade Jonathan Taylor, but he remains on the pup list. The physically unable to perform list as of yesterday because on cut day, you needed to activate Jonathan Taylor to the 53-man roster or keep him on the pup list, which means he will miss the opening four games of the year for Indianapolis. I find that part fascinating. It's almost like they're storing JT just to keep him on the roster but keep him unhappy with no long-term extension in Sight. If he is not healthy, of course, he only played 12 games last year in 2022 due to an injured ankle that he has been rehabbing, getting ready for 2023. That's one thing to keep him on the pup list, but to keep him on the pup list and a part of your roster and not have him out there next to Anthony Richardson because of a contract dispute. That is a very serious scenario right now in Indianapolis. We'll have more reaction around the National Football League later on in this show. Now to Major League Baseball. An Aces affair yesterday inside the friendly confines at Wrigley Field between the Cubs and the Brewers. Milwaukee looking to make it 10 consecutive wins. They had that streak snapped at 9 yesterday by the Cubbies. Justin Steele, six innings of shutout baseball. Corbin Burns on the other side for Milwaukee, seven innings, 
only allowed one earned run. It came in the home half of that opening frame for Chicago. It was a ground out by Cody Bellinger that scored Nico Horner. That was the only run of the game. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. Hour number one of a Wednesday live right here on TMA, Sirius XM Channel 159, and all of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. So the Cubbies, as a slight home favorite yesterday against Milwaukee, snaps the Brew Crew MLB active long win streak entering yesterday at nine games. It's a four-game differential now between Milwaukee and Chicago in the National League Central. The Brewers maintain that advantage. They're a minus 600 favorite to win the division. And you look at the National League pennant odds where the Braves and the Dodgers only separated by 25 cents. The Phillies hold on to that top spot in the National League wildcard race. They have a five-game advantage for the top spot right now. The Phillies have won five straight. They have the third best price. And then look at the two teams from the Central, the Brewers and the Cubs separated by only three bucks for their October outlook. Speaking of the Dodgers, the second best number to win the National League pennant, the second best record in the National League. LA now improves to 22 and five in the month of August because for their sixth consecutive game, LA has scored five or more runs, make it nine last night at home against Arizona. Clayton Kershaw on the bump for LA. The Dodgers cash a minus 188. Moneyline favored ticket at home in the ravine. Arizona entered yesterday, still winning seven of their last nine games. Make that seven of ten. But because of that loss for the Diamondbacks and a victory by San Francisco, Arizona now on the outside once again looking in at that third and final National League wild card spot. The Marlins trying to stay afloat in the National League wild card race. Doesn't seem like it's going to happen because Tampa Bay in the Sunshine Series yesterday wins 11-2 to in South Beach against the reigning NL Cy Young Award winner Sandy Alcantara who gave up four earned runs. The Rays add on more after Sandy leaves the game. They win 11-2. to These two sides split their Sunshine Series back at the end of July. Tampa takes game one of two. Miami now has lost nine of their last 12 games. The Fish just 9-16 and 16 in the month of August. The Rays, still the second-best record in the American League. They have a stronghold on that top spot in the American League wildcard chase. More from around Major League Baseball coming your way next on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to a Wednesday. Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. It's the Daily Diamond Dash here on GMA, all around Major League Baseball, firmly in the stretch run where every move, every game, every day has some sort of significance on that hunt for October. We welcome in Mark Zinno to join us here to give us his insight around the Major League Baseball diamonds. Zinno, thank you for being here. In this opening hour, a segment of baseball, two more of college football on the horizon. I'm excited to have you here in this opening hour of a Wednesday on the morning after. Ah, uh, Benny, listen, I mean, outside of being talking to me, being able to talk some baseball with you, you know what we got this weekend, man? We got mm. college football here in yeah, full man. swing, like 100 games. It's awesome. It is going to be incredible. Starting tomorrow, Mark Zeno, with 11 FBS games. Then over the next five consecutive days, there is 85 
college football games featuring at least one FBS school. It is college football nirvana to start things off in week number one. But before we get to the start of 2023, let's go to the end of 2023 in MLB. Mark Zeno, it's been a disastrous year out in Anaheim for the Angels. So much hope, so much optimism once again to build up this team to keep Shohei Otani in Southern California if possible. Mike Trout was healthy at the start of the year. Not anymore. Shohei Otani, himself a torn UCL in his right throwing arm. And Zeno, the Angels had a little bit of a spurt near the trade deadline. They bought at the deadline. They did not sell to recoup some value for Otani, but they've been 8 and 18 since that deadline. And yesterday, Zeno, a peculiar move made by the Angels, placing significant players and starters, some even acquired at the deadline, like Lucas Giolito, like Randall Gritchick, on waivers. So these guys, who are pretty good baseball players, you know, now up for grabs and can be claimed by other teams in contention here with just over a month left in this Major League Baseball season. So, you know, have you seen anything like this in your time following, watching, and covering Major League Baseball? Well, not, no, the short answer is no, because we've never seen a player like Shohei Otani be in the equation. And that's really what some of this is about here more than anything. I mean, some of it may be about the Angels trying to clear out some other payroll uh, of guys to be able to put Otani in a position where they can pay him half a billion dollars. So I think that's certainly uh, something that's to ring in here. But I don't know if it matters one way or another whether Otani's going to stay or not, who else is on that roster. It's about, well, it matters from a standpoint of he wants to win and he needs guys who can win, but you know, as far as what the payroll looks like, I don't think that fact is one way or another in them keeping Shohei Otani or not. And this is really, you know, one of those things where it's the normal course of baseball where teams are going to see what the value is of these players that they have because maybe they're going to try to move them in the offseason or uh, maybe they'd like to try and see whether these guys are worth re-signing long-term, things of that nature. So it is a little bit of a litmus test for um, understanding what the market looks like for players. Yeah. But for guys that's acquired like Randall Gritchick, that is kind of alarming that you gave away assets to get this guy, and now you're throwing in on waivers like it's a garage sale and we'll take the lowest bidder for this guy uh, is, is certainly, to say the least, a strange move by a front office. Yeah. I mean, Zeno, where do you rank this season for the Halos in terms of some of the biggest flops we have seen in race, recent Major League Baseball history? Well, when you talk biggest flops, the first thing that comes to mind is the Mets. So, I mean, I suppose them blowing a ten and a half game lead last year and not winning the division. Yeah. Well, yeah. Listen, the Yankees flop differently. Uh, it, it's you know their flop is is missing the playoffs, or in this case, this year finishing below five hundred for the first time in thirty years. But let's not don't get me started on those guys. It's only going to get my morning okay. my blood pressure Let's let's move on. But this is a huge failure because this team was put together to win a title. They went out and they got Shohei Otani to put them over the top. They haven't done it. And in reality, I don't know if you can call it a big flop or maybe it's just another flop in a series of flops by the Los Angeles Angels and Artie Moreno who continue to try and put together a World Series contender. Not a World Series winner. A World Series contender can't even do that. In his five years in Anaheim, Shohei Otani will never see the postseason. He's not going to be in Anaheim much longer, in my estimation. A question will be, what does the value look like now if Shohei Otani's pitching future is uncertain this winter, entering 2024? All right, elsewhere in Los Angeles, at Chavez Ravine, 
The Dodgers have been great. 22-5 and now, Mark Zinno, in the month of August. A 9-1 victory over Arizona. The D-backs entered this series playing great baseball. They've dropped the opening two games against L.A. When you look at the first two games of this set so far, Zinno, in the midweek, what has stood out to you the most? Arizona has to have had a real wake-up call on this roller coaster that they've been on in the second half. 52 and 39 at the break. It then five and 20 run to put them what look like out of the playoffs for certain. And then a resurgence and their bats woke up over the last two weeks and now they're back in this thing. But they threw their top two starters at the Los Angeles Dodgers and Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly they came up empty, not once, but yeah. twice. Uh, and that must have been the, the, the realization for the Diamondbacks that guess what? Uh, the first three months of the season were more about the Dodgers not playing well than the Diamondbacks really being good. And guess what? We are, we are definitively a, a rung below the Los Angeles Dodgers and, and for the foreseeable future, we'll be chasing them to win the NL West. 16 combined runs for LA in the first two games of this series against Arizona. And Zeno, because of the D-backs loss yesterday in Los Angeles and a San Francisco win up by the Bay, it is Arizona now a half game behind the Giants for that third and final National League wild card spot. Zeno, those odds and positions change virtually every day. We've seen something rather similar in the past week in the National League MVP race. Ronald Acuna Jr., still the odds-on favorite right now at minus 150. But Mookie Betts, also a minus money price once again at minus 110. Betts yesterday, two for three against the D-backs with his 36th homer of the year. Ronald Acuna Jr., two of five in an Atlanta win on the road in the Rockies at Coors Field. Zeno, what do you make of all this movement that we've seen in the last week? Well, it's not uncommon because we see it every single year that somebody charges late into the MVP race. Here's what's hurt Ronald Acuna, and it sounds ridiculous to say, but the Braves have sort of lulled everybody to sleep with how good they are, and we don't really pay attention to them anymore, and they're not what they're doing has become commonplace, and so they're not wowing anybody. Unfortunately, Ronald Acuna, without a huge September, he's not going to hit 40 home runs, so he's not going to be part of the 40-40 club. And his yeah. stolen base at 80 has teetered off a little bit. Uh, so now he's probably going to be in the, in the, you know, low to mid seventies range. So I'll only be 30 and 70, which, you know, again, uh, is, you know, that's yeah. what we've kind of thought of this whole thing, right? So Mookie Betts is all of a sudden now on a team that's charged back into first place that, that isn't going to contend for the best record in the NL, but really the Dodgers are the hot team right now. And he is pacing them and hitting the ball out of the ballpark. His home runs have surged up, and we still dig the long ball and RBIs, and home runs and RBIs still seem to to get MVP voters excited. So that's the thing that's hurt Ronald Acuna Jr. here. Again, it's ridiculous to say because he's going to have an all-time historic season when it's all said and done. Yeah, We've just sort of like, oh, well, the Braves won again. Yeah, we may as well just uh, not worry about it. And I'll go back to the one more thing I've always said. If the Braves don't win the World Series, it's another embarrassment. They're so much better at baseball than everybody else. I'll say it until until the end of October. You have said that all along, maybe even into early November as well. Earlier this year, we thought Ronald Acuna Jr. was going to be a 40-70 guy. 40 home runs, 70 stolen bases. That's what he was on pace for. We've never seen that in the history of Major League Baseball. He's probably going to end up with 34 home runs and 72 stolen bases. And all of a sudden, we're like, 
eh, not quite the historic year, but better than anybody else we've ever seen, but not quite historic. So you're not the National League MVP runaway winner. Last week, Zeno, he was minus 550 to win the National yeah. League MVP award. We'll have more in baseball later on in hour two. But week one of the college football season starts tomorrow. A review of week zero next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The 2023 college football season is already underway. We had week zero this past Saturday. Our reactions to what we saw to start off the 2023 campaign. But tomorrow, 11 FBS games gets us started in week number one. Mark Zeno, our office here in Manhattan is very close to Penn Station, right outside Madison Square Garden, where there's a large automated and electronic billboard over Penn Station that often features Nike ads. I'm sure Nike pays the big bucks to have that automated and electronic billboard. And guess what I saw? Walking into the office this morning as a good omen to start things for the 2023 college football season in week number one, the bodacious Heisman campaign for Oregon's quarterback, Bo Nix. That guy is everywhere across the country right now. College football is everywhere as well, Mark Zeno. Yeah, uh, the Van Wilder of college football, a.k.a. Bo Nix, uh, is certainly uh, reasonably a favorite and should be. Look, you know me. I thought he should have gotten Heisman consideration last year for the year that he had, so I'm not surprised that he's putting out his own campaign this year. But, you know, if you're asking me what's more likely to happen, a Caleb Williams repeat or a Georgia three-peat, I'm going with Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams does have some room to grow, at least from a team perspective. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But we start with the Dublin debut of 13th-ranked Notre Dame against Navy. Often, you know, and as we discussed last week, the midshipmen over the last decade have been great at covering numbers as an underdog. They were nowhere close in Ireland. Notre Dame wins 42-3, to easily covering as a 20 and a half point favorite. Now, I know, Zeno, people will say, what did you expect? It was the Naval Academy with a new head coach in Brian Newberry. Notre Dame should have won that game by at least three touchdowns. But was the dominance that we saw, Mark Zeno, out of the Fighting Irish this past Saturday, maybe just a small glimpse of what is to come in 2023? No. I mean, look, there are two things that can be true, Okay. Beating Navy means absolutely nothing when it comes to how hmm. good Notre Dame may or may not be. And also that it was very re revealing and telling to see how well Sam Hartman played in his first game under center for the Irish. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Sam Hartman is going to have this bang-up year. I mean, I think he's very talented, and I think that, you know, the Notre Dame offense will look a little bit different now that they have such a prolific passer. But I'm not going to put any stock in beating the Naval Academy. I, I just – I don't put a lot of stock in anything that wins the first three weeks of the college football season because guess what? It's the haves versus the have-nots. It's the big boys versus the little boys. It's, you know, the very good against the very bad. I mean, it's it, that's just the way the season sets up. So you have to be able to separate what you see and try to extrapolate the things that may be problematic down the road uh, and the things that may, may bite teams when they get into conference play or the things that are going to stick around. Do I think Notre Dame is going to be able to score 40 points a game? 
against the right opponent, yeah. But, you know, again, they're going to start to see some tougher games here. Let me know Let me know if he, Sam Hartman puts up 42 against Ohio State. Uh, then we'll have a real conversation about what this Notre Dame offense is. All right, September 25th it is following that week four game in South Bend between Notre Dame and Ohio State. Spoken like a true Army guy right there in Marks. You know, always trying to sing second. All right, now we go to Caleb Williams and number six USC. Their debut in 2023 in Los Angeles in the Coliseum on Saturday night. They put up 56 points, the most any of the 14 teams that played in week zero scored, but they also gave up 28. USC wins by 28, but does not cover as a 30 and a half point favorite. So Mark Gino, what was your bigger takeaway from USC's opener against the Spartans? Was it Caleb's return to college football as the reigning Heisman winner? Or was it the defensive issues that we have seen out of the Trojans the last year plus? Can it be both? I mean, look, I thought that Caleb Williams would have been able to put up bigger numbers. And if I was Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, I'd be saying, hey, coach, listen, let me let me pad some stats here and get out to an early lead in this Heisman thing because I'd really like to win this thing two years in a row. So let me go beat up on, on San Jose State. And, yeah, the defense last year was a problem. Couldn't get off the field against Utah, cost them a game. You know, couldn't get it, get off the field against Tulane, cost them a bowl win. I mean, these were things that all happened last year because of Alex Grinch's squad not being able to improve. He dips back in the transfer portal again, Alex Grinch, the D.C. of of USC, and starts to get to better players. And this is one of these things that, okay, that does raise a little bit of a red flag because if yeah. he wins this game 63-6, to you're like, well, you can easily say, I still don't trust their defense because it was San Jose, San Jose State. You win the game 56-28, to you go, you give up four touchdowns to San Diego State, or San Jose State, rather. It's like, um, you're not supposed to do that. So let's see how they bounce back next week. Is there a sense that maybe they just took starters out? I didn't watch the second half of the game when it got out of the hand. So I don't know how many starters did and didn't play. I'll have to go back and look. But that's maybe the thing that really would, would be the only justification that he pulled starters and, you know, second and third stringers were the guys who let up those touchdowns. That's kind of the way it, it, you can sort of rationalize it. But still, if you're USC, you don't want to be giving up 28 points to anybody, let alone San Jose State. The Trojans' defense last year ranked in the bottom half of college football, allowing more than 29 points per game. He was bottom 30 in total defensive numbers. They gave up more than 420 yards per game. San Jose State scored 28, and the Spartans almost put up 400 yards of total offense, finishing just shy with 394. I am alarmed. It's why I don't have confidence in Alex Grinch or this Trojans team to be a true college football playoff contender when all is said and done. I do think Caleb Williams will contend for his second consecutive Heisman Trophy, and I think Sam Hartman is going to be there as well. Caleb's numbers, you know, remaining the same following the Trojans' debut against San Jose State. 5-1. to one. It's half the rest of the field in college football. He is the favorite. Sam Hartman's number, shorter by two bucks. 18-1 to one before the Dublin debut. 16-1 to one after the Irish openers. You know, what is the outlook for both of these quarterbacks in 2023? It's better for Caleb Williams. Look, at the end of the day, for all of USC's right now, it looks like defensive deficiencies. They still have a really, really easy path to the Pac-12 title game in an undefeated season. Their toughest game, they got to go to Austin and beat, beat Oregon. Can they do that in a shootout? Absolutely. Coin flip kind of game as we look at it right now. I mean, a lot can happen between now and then, obviously. But, 
you know, those two offenses, you put them side by side, yeah, I would probably lean USC in a shootout in that spot. For Sam Hartman, it's a little bit of a different conversation. You drop to Notre Dame, you drop to USC, maybe you lose a game to Clemson, guess what? That Heisman shine is going to be off of Sam Hartman pretty quickly because for whatever reason, voters associate mostly good teams and winning teams and quarterbacks uh, who play in relevant games late in the year as the guys who deserve the Heisman. That's kind of just the way it's fallen in recent years. So uh, I I think Sam Hartman's numbers are going to change a little bit. And if Notre Dame can get out and look, if they beat Ohio State, watch his numbers plummet to close to being a favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. And then, you know, yeah. three weeks later, or two later, he loses to USC. Guess what? Woo! We saw with Anthony Richardson last year, right? He goes out and beats Utah, and all of a sudden, boom, loses next week to Kentucky. Oh, let's come back down to earth and act like we, you know, we, we should when it comes to Anthony Richardson and the Heisman. Caleb Williams had the third best price entering week 11 in a game against Notre Dame where he had one of his many Heisman moments at the tail end of 2022. And then after that, with a $3 minus money favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. These things are going to move. We did not expect all that much movement following week zero. Another game, you know, featuring an SEC team, and you're the mouth in the South. We'll have more analysis on the Southeastern Conference coming your way in the next segment. Vanderbilt opened up the season at home in Nashville, despite the stadium not being fully ready to go, against Hawaii, a 35-28 win. For the Commodores, they came nowhere close to covering, though, as a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Zeno, what did you see from both of these sides on Saturday in Nashville? Uh, speaking of bad defenses, uh, Clark Lee has not fixed the Vanderbilt defense. It was bad last year, and if any, if game one is anything like it, it's bad this year. Look, again, full disclosure, I laid 17-and-a-half with Vanderbilt because they were a much better team than Hawaii denigrate Hawaii per se. I'll get to them in a second, but you get a kickoff return for a touchdown. That's kind of the clincher in a game where you're laying a big number. That's exactly what you need to go over and cover it. Uh, a fourth and four where they give up a 45 yard touchdown pass because nobody bothered to watch the guy run straight through the Vanderbilt defense. Yeah. That's also the backbreaker right there. Give some credit to Hawaii's offense. They are better than what they were last year. There was some really good throws. Uh, by their quarterback, Braden Schuster, is that his name? I can't remember. But, Schrager. uh, yeah. Schrager. Yeah. I was close. I didn't get my point. Yeah. Not, not going to work here anymore. Doesn't matter. Uh, but I say all that to say that Hawaii was much better offensively than I thought they were going to be. But still, Vanderbilt's defense is going to be a problem for them. Um, they may still get over their season win total, which I think they will because they, they can easily win the next three games. But, uh, they've yeah. got to learn to stop people, especially if they want to actually win more SEC games. Sure, you could sneak out a win last year against a bad Kentucky offense with a banged-up Will Levis and a average quarterback last year in the SEC. Anthony Richardson, you can beat Florida, but you're not going to beat a Georgia. You're not going to beat an Alabama. You're not going to beat a Tennessee with a defense like that with competent quarterbacks if you can't stop Hawaii. Three and a half is the win total for Vandy. The over has the juice, rightfully so. The Commodores in year number three under Clark Lee probably at least should be optimistic about getting two four wins elsewhere around week zero some of the other results jacksonville state welcome to fbs football an outright upset at home against utap umass umass excuse me put up 41 points 41 marks you know the second worst scoring offense in the country last year san diego state rallies against an unhealthy curtis rourke in ohio that was a bummer in louisiana tech beat fiu in a really good game late on saturday night now, 
our attention turns to week number one. That's next on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We are just one day away from game day once again in college football. Week number one of the CFB season starts tomorrow. 11 FBS games for you on a Thursday night slate, including a couple of SEC teams in action. Mark Zinno has been here for the opening hour, but he's no longer Mark Zinno. He's the mouth in the South, and these are his SEC picks. For the first time in the 2023 college football season, the mouth in the south enters the fray here on a Wednesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Zeno, we are ready to go to get everybody set for week one. A few SEC teams in action tomorrow. We have more, of course, on Saturday as everybody now enters the fold to start 2023. So Zeno, let's dive Right in. I think the marquee matchup of the Thursday night slate, maybe one of the better games of the entirety of the opening weekend, happens tomorrow night in Salt Lake. It's 14th ranked Utah, the two-time defending Pac-12 champions hosting Florida. These two opened the season against one another last year in the Swamp in Gainesville. Anthony Richardson put on a show for UF. In Florida, escaped with an outright victory as a two-and-a-half-point underdog, 29-26. Zeno, we focus on the quarterback position once again because Cam Rising returns for the Utes. However, Cam Rising tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl defeat against Penn State last January. His status for tomorrow night, still very uncertain. And Zeno, we see that reflected in the spread. It was seven earlier this week in favor of Utah at home. It's now just four and a half live on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Zeno, just how close is this game going to be tonight, or tomorrow night, excuse me, between the Gators and the Utes? Well, a couple of notes here before the game. One, props to our graphic department, because every time I see that SEC stinger, I get very excited. So they did a fantastic Thank job. Uh, number Thank two, um, I don't know how you can bet Florida right now with any sense of purpose when you have completely, not only did you miss the best of one number, you've now missed the best of two numbers, because this thing opened at nine. And then it was bet down to closer to seven, seven and a half, and you missed it there. There is literally no legitimate reason you should walk to the window and bet Florida at this point in time, period. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's a bad bet all around because you passed up two good numbers. That's the other thing. When you look at the game in general, I think this is a massive overreaction here by odds makers and betters alike to Cam Rising not playing. Because for Utah, this is more about their defense returning, and that's what Kyle Whittingham has made his bread and butter on in the Pac-12 for the better part of a decade now. It's why they win nine games every single year because he's got the toughest, most physical defense in the Pac-12. Guess what? That's similar to what the SEC usually has, is tough physical defenses, and Florida should be used to seeing a defense like this. But I don't know what all the changes they've had offensively that it warrants this. Hi, Graham Mertz kind of isn't good, right? Like, he couldn't be good at Wisconsin, so he's not going to be good in the SEC. And I would not put my money on Florida in this spot. I don't know if I have enough guts to take Utah, given the uncertainty at quarterback, and I don't know much about the backups and what they're going to be able to do. 
But Utah's a run game first and a, a defensive team. They're going to try to grind this pace down as much as they can. And I just don't think Florida has the weapons on the offensive side of the ball to be able to, to back them at this number. I, I mean, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me, Ben, at this point. The total 44 and a half also trickling down ever so slightly. The backup quarterback battle is on in Salt Lake. Bryson Barnes has the experience over Nate Johnson, who's a redshirt freshman. Barnes played when Cam Rising went down last year against Wazoo. He was really good. Bryson Barnes had some flashes in the Rose Bowl against Penn State after Cam Rising injured that knee as well. Elsewhere, Zeno, we go now to the Saturday slate in the SEC. On Rocky Top, Tennessee opens the year ranked in the top 15 as a 27-and-a-half point favorite against an ACC foe in Virginia. Zeno, last year, when the first CFP poll came out of the season, it was the Volunteers ranked number one in the country. Then the injury to Hendon Hooker, the second to last Saturday, derailed Tennessee's shot at being a college football playoff team. But there is optimism in Knoxville with Joe Milton, the starting quarterback. You know, what do you expect out of the balls this year? I think they're still going to be very good. I trust Josh Heupel. I trust his system and his offense and the way yep. he runs it. And he's got a lot of credibility and a lot of clout for you to back him. Now, as far as this game coming up this weekend, this game isn't being played at Neyland Stadium. It's being played at Nissan Stadium where the Tennessee Titans play. Oh. And it's going to be a huge party, a huge venue for them. I think this is Virginia's first game back since the unfortunate incidents that happened last year to their football team. Uh, and this may be one of the worst teams in the country, at least one of the worst Power 5 teams when it comes to Virginia. They might not win three games all year long. I have no idea how Virginia is going to stop Tennessee. If you still see a 27-and-a-half out there, and they are, uh, I will likely get to the window on Tennessee and lay the points here. A lot of trepidation about Joe Milton not being as good as Hendon Hooker. Guess what? He really doesn't have to be. Why? Because Tennessee can still run the ball really well. And in worst-case scenario, Milton is good enough with his legs. We've seen that. And, oh, by the way, one more feather in your cap. And some people may look at this as a down down thing, but he's been in this system for several years now. He knows it very yeah. well. It's not like he's brand new to it as a freshman coming in as a backup. He knows what Josh Heupel has put together offensively every year. Some people go, well, he wasn't good enough to beat out Hennon Hooker. Yeah, well, a lot of guys aren't good enough to beat out Hennon Hooker. So there is that. But that said, I have a lot of confidence in the Tennessee offense in this spot right here against a very inept defensive team in Virginia. I would also maybe look at a team total over for the Volunteers. Yes. They're a 27-and-a-half-point favorite, the total 55-and-a-half. UVA, a win total this year of three-and-a-half in the under, has the juice. There is a sample size on Joe Milton as a starting quarterback when a ton has been expected, maybe not in Knoxville, but in Ann Arbor. I would slow down the hype train on Milton just a little bit. All right, so you know, entering 2023, Georgia is ranked number one in the AP preseason poll for just the second time in program history. Georgia looking to make history this year to become only the second three-time consecutive national title winner dating back all the time to 1936 when the Minnesota Golden Gophers accomplished that feat. Georgia starts the year against an FCS opponent in UT Martin, emblematic of Georgia's rather easy regular season schedule. You saw the numbers. The Dogs, the best defense of the past decade two years ago, were a really good defense, top 10 in every metric pretty much last year as well. But, you know, from the two straight national championship winning teams, Georgia has had 25 guys 
drafted in the National Football League over the past two years. Do you think any regression is coming to the dogs in 2023? Well, regression to them overall by meaning they're not going to win the national title for three straight years, yes. I don't think they're going to win the national title this year. Um, but regression as far as their defense is concerned, Ben, as crazy as it sounds, they lost five starters to the NFL draft this past year. Uh, and that defense may actually be better this year than it was yeah. last year. I mean, take your head. They're not seeing you off camera right now, but, and everybody would do the same thing, but you're shaking your head as I if mean, to say, I can't believe it. But yes, that is true. Yeah. They are actually better this year. I mean, at least what we're projecting going forward. Look, Kirby Smart has done an amazing job at getting his second and third stringers reps a ton in practice, but certainly in games whenever you can use them. So when these guys get elevated to starters, guess what? They're game ready and they're ready to play, and that's really going to be the case here. Um, they play a ton of man coverage. They've got legit corners. Uh, the biggest question for Georgia's defense is who is that pass rusher, right? Who is the guy that, that can get to the quarterback? Can they win one-on-one battles or – uh, are they going to have to scheme blitzes up to get to the quarterback? Because guess what? I mean, there's still a lot of unknowns at quarterback around the SEC this year, but you, you can't let any SEC quarterback sit there with a lot of time. They'll they'll tear you up. That's why it's the best conference in the country. So Georgia's going to have to generate some pass rush, but I don't have any doubts that this defense statistically will be as good, if not better, than last year's. Listen, in the back seven, Jamon Dumas-Johnson, as good as you will find. Smile Munden, as good as you will find. Javon Bullard as their safety, as good as you will find. Tyke Smith might be the X factor on this defense, as good as you will find. Michael Williams, he's going to be a stud. I mean, it, it just doesn't stop for Georgia, and that is Zeno's point. All right, elsewhere we go to the running revs. Ole Miss also opening with an FCS opponent in Mercer. Zeno, a couple of years ago, it was death, taxes, and Ole Miss overs. They disappointed on that. This year, it's a seven-and-a-half win total for the running revs, Jackson Dart won the quarterback competition against the veteran and the transfer from Oklahoma State in Spencer Sanders. What is your outlook for Ole Miss in 2023? Uh, I think they have one of the best two or three running backs in the country in Quinshawn Judkins. Uh, how much yep. can Lane Kiffin continue to get out of his quarterback room and get them to be able to throw the ball? It's going to be a, a wealth of options here offensively. I mean, Lane Kiffin is a magician pulling a rabbit out of his hat on a routine basis with what he draws up on the offensive end. And unfortunately for, for Ole Miss, they're going to have to score 40 points a game to beat people. Their defense is improving and has improved each of the last two years, but has improved enough for them to go out and beat an Alabama, you know, uh, beat, beat other high-level, uh, you know, offensive teams, LSU, things of that nature. I, I don't know – that it is yet at this point in time. But if they get the games out of Quinshot Judkin, I believe they can, and control the clock a little more and maybe play a little bit more slow tempo, they might have a shot in certain scenarios. It, it really is a coin flip with them whether they can get to that eight wins. I think they can. I would lean on them going over on it just because even if they lose to the big three in Alabama, um, LSU, and, and either Auburn or Arkansas, whatever it may be, the other team in the yeah. West, then guess what? You know, they still have a really good chance to beat everybody else in their schedule because their offense is that good. However, you do have to remember, Lane Kiffin typically has that offensive stinker game in his back pocket. If it comes against somebody other than the big three, then you might be on a, a, that, a, that win total might get a little tight around the collar here as you head into November. 
Ole Miss also does have a cross-division game against Georgia this year as well. Speaking of Alabama, it wasn't the Tide, it was LSU winning the SEC West a year ago. Alabama gets the start this year at home in Bryant-Denny against Middle Tennessee State. The Crimson Tide, a 39.5-point favorite. Mark Zeno, Alabama has won 21 consecutive season opener so we expect them to win they're nearly a 40 point favorite will they make it 22 but by how much you know i had a middle tennessee fan tell me last night hey we did it to miami this year why can't it happen last year why can't it happen this year and i looked at him and said how about no it's not gonna happen so settle down middle tennessee i'm glad you beat miami last year but good luck it's not happening this year um alabama really for this game it's about what we're going to see out of the quarterback position and how much, see, remember we talked a lot about, you know, with Sam Hartman, what are we going to see here out of Alabama at the quarterback position and how consistent can they be? And will that set things up for later on in the season? It will be interesting to see who that opening day starter is at QB. Nick Saban earlier this week, now on game week in Tuscaloosa said, sorry guys, not releasing the depth chart. I don't want anybody to get a big head. More like Nick Saban a few years ago when he was asked who's the starting quarterback, and he said, I'm not going to tell you, so quit asking. That's Coach Nick Saban for you. Here are the SEC title odds. Georgia, a slight odds-on favorite at minus 110. Alabama, the second-best price, 3-1. to one. LSU rounds out the top three at plus 460. The mouth in the south. Mark Zeno did it all today in the opening hour of the morning after on this Wednesday. A sincere thank you. We round out the opening hour up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out this opening hour of a Wednesday Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid network. That includes the new Sports Grid app as well. The ultimate sports betting companion app now available for download at the Apple App Store. Scan the QR code that is on your screen. Not just the Apple App Store. The Play Store as well. Do you have an iPhone? Do you have an Android? Does it matter? No, it doesn't. All of our information all of our insight available for you wherever you get your favorite apps and make sure the new Sports Grid app is one of your favorites. The Spiz Grizz app, the Sports Grid app. I couldn't decide what I wanted to say. You can call it the Spiz Grizz app, though, after you download it. So as we end out this opening hour, we always love hearing from you. Your assessment on what's happening with the biggest sports headlines around this world of sports and in the stretch run of this Major League Baseball season We ask you about the National League, tier of two. Who goes farther this October, Atlanta or L.A.? That was the question. Fade the public. At SportsGrid TV on Twitter, again, that was the question. Who goes farther this Major League Baseball postseason, the Braves or the Dodgers? Now, the Braves are the number one team at this moment in the National League with a four-game cushion over the Dodgers, but they're going to be the top two seeds in the NL, and the odds reflect that in the National League pennant chase as well. Most of the public, greater than 73% of the public, 
going with Atlanta. If they go farther than L.A., that would probably mean an appearance in a World Series here in 2023. Again, the price for the Braves at the moment to win the National League pennant is plus 130. They're only 25 cents, though, in front of Los Angeles. The Dodgers number is plus 155. Something to pay attention to. These two will jockey for position. Atlanta, potentially in an NLCS against the Dodgers, might have home field advantage. Hour number two of the morning after. That's next.